Hello and welcome to another edition of On the Board. I'm Mike Fast. On this ninth edition of On the Board, we look at the first quarter review of the 2020 NFL season. My power rankings where I look at the top 10 teams as I see them in the NFL today. The current MVP race, and spoiler alert, I see two defensive players firmly in the mix. And what to look forward to going forward for the rest of the year. Let's start with the first quarter review. I think it's safe to say that the Seahawks and Packers, as well as the Chiefs, even though they just lost to the Raiders, are among the top three teams in the league. No secret that quarterback, head coach, is always the two main factors, as it has been in recent years. And as you can see in those three teams, that's the case as well. Quarterback, head coach, they're very strong in both of those categories for those three teams. And another reason that they are as good as they are with a combined record of 13-1 and between them is because they know how to win different types of games. And as we go now towards the middle of fall, the end of fall, and then into the beginning of winter, when seasons change and travel fatigue accumulates, you're going to need to be able to win different kinds of games physically, whether that be a ground and pound type game or a run and shoot type game. And you're also going to need to be strong mentally and be mentally adaptable to different kinds of situations. Are things not going your way and you just need to hang in there to the fourth quarter till something clicks? You have to be mentally tough enough to do that. And not only you, the majority of your team has to come together to be able to accomplish that goal. Do you have leaders at key positions that have been there and done that in pretty much every situation? Russell Wilson? Yes. Aaron Rodgers? Yes. Patrick Mahomes? Yes. Ben Roethlisberger? Yes. Those are the kinds of players and teams that are going to be successful in the long run. Now, teams like the Browns and the Bills, both 4-1, and not taking anything away from them to this point, but as we get into our power rankings, we'll discuss how those teams, at least from my perspective, still have something to prove. And honestly... If the Ravens weren't such a complete team with Lamar Jackson at quarterback, even though he's the defending MVP and he can make any play at any time, it seems, 0-2 in the playoffs. So if we're really being truthful, the Ravens have something to prove as well. Even though by Vegas' standards, they're the second best favorite behind the Chiefs to win Super Bowl 55. So, so far in the first quarter of the season, yes, we're going to week six, but some teams have only played four games. So, I, I waited a little bit till every team played at least four games. We see a couple of things. Number one, it is of utmost importance to get your quarterback. Not only because of the reasons we just discussed and how valuable they are in the long run to be that catalyst for your team. And they will be the catalyst for your team, good or bad. 
But you see a guy like Russell Wilson and how the Seahawks got him in the third round and how much that has paid off for them. Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, he's been there a long time, but he sat for a few years. And so what I'm saying is, you know, you look at the Chiefs. They took Patrick Mahomes at the time a lot higher than a lot of people thought he should go, myself included. I'll admit I was wrong on my projection of it. All that to say, you need to be firmly confident in your path as a general manager, as a front office, as a head coach of who your quarterback's going to be, because that's the direction your team will take. Whether that's trade up to get a blue chip prospect you're in love with and you want him to start from day one, or you trade up or trade back or however you acquire him, you want him to wait. Whatever that plan is, everybody needs to be all in from the top down. And when that happens, it doesn't matter if it takes a couple of years to come to fruition because when it does, you're set for at least a decade, if not 15 years. We're seeing that with the Packers. And then I, I have to say I think the Ravens will win at least one playoff game this year. So you have to include Lamar in that conversation as well if that were to be the case. You get the quarterback situation squared away, you're good. Conversely, if you play a game and you try to be cute in the media and you don't pay your guy, you're going to be out of luck. And unfortunately, we saw that with Dallas this past week when Dak Prescott had just an absolutely horrific ankle injury. And we've seen some pictures and videos recently where he's smiling and he's in good spirits and I expect nothing less from Dak. But my point is the Cowboys played kind of fast and loose with this now and they tried to franchise Dak and they did franchise Dak and you know they're kind of protected in the sense that they didn't commit long-term money to him. But now, say for whatever reason Dak doesn't play next year, and I'm not trying to say I know what the prognosis is, but just for the sake of discussion, say he's not next, not in next year or not at full strength, which is probably more of a possibility. Either case, what are they going to do? Andy Dalton, is he a good player? Yes, I think he's still a good player. Is he the quarterback the Cowboys wanted? No. Because if he is, they would assign him over deck, right? So the Cowboys really were a bit irresponsible, in my opinion, with their handling of Dak. Granted, they couldn't control his ankle injury, but it just underscores how important it is to get your franchise guy locked in. If you don't think he's the franchise guy, don't pay him 35 upwards of $40 million to franchise him. Draft someone else so that you can improve a defense that's a league worse in terms of points allowed right now. And then you start over. They were kind of trying to play both sides and they got caught. Now, obviously, I hope and I think we all hope Dak 
has a speedy recovery, does come back at full strength next year, has a great year, and the Cowboys take care of him. But you see what it means. And you look at the Bills, for example. You know, Josh Allen didn't have the greatest start when he came into the league, but now he's killing it. Derek Carr, for the Raiders, at 3-2, and two, they beat maybe the best team in the league in the Chiefs, 40-32 to 32 this past week. The Raiders stuck by him, and he was a huge part of that game. He continues to lead them well. You know, so you have to be convinced. You can't be halfway on this. You, you can be halfway on other positions. You cannot be halfway on your quarterback, and for that matter, your head coach. And when you look around the league, the teams that do the best are rock solid in those two areas. So there are not too many surprise teams from my perspective when you talk about the first quarter of the season. It is interesting to me that the AFC North, the only division with three teams with at least four wins, Ravens 4-1, Browns 4-1, Steelers 4-0, I did not expect the Browns to be this good. Now, like we said before, it's early. We'll see what happens. But, you know, you play who's on your schedule. And right now, they're 4-1. Same record as the Bills. Same record as the Ravens. Same record as the Chiefs. All teams other people think can be Super Bowl contenders. You know, really one game behind the Seahawks. So... Win is a win and loss is a loss. The Browns are up there right now, like it or not. Going forward to power rankings, something I generally try not to do, but I just think it's not something to be fixated on, but just kind of a brief indicator, kind of a barometer of how teams are doing. I rank the top 10 teams as I see them. Number 10 of the Raiders at 3-2. and two. They obviously just beat the Chiefs this past week. They're doing very well. They have a stud young running back in Josh Jacobs. Darren Waller is continually improving tight end. Red zone threat. Derek Carr, as we said, is doing much better every week. So they are doing their thing. The Browns, 4-1. and one. They have a huge game this coming week against Pittsburgh. And if the Browns win that, they will, depending on what the Ravens do, be in first place. To have the Browns theoretically be in first place by week six, that's not something you thought. That's not something I thought would happen. But that very well could happen. I have the Rams at eighth, four and one. And the Rams, I mean, we see Aaron Donald just wreaking havoc. There's nothing new there. Uh, Jared Goff is improving. I, I thought he left a lot on the field, so to speak, last year. He's having a solid year this year. And just just really leading that franchise very well. And, you know, with the loss of Todd Gurley, and that's something that I feel like the Rams wanted to do. Not that they had pleasure in doing it, but that they knew they had to. They wanted to do it because that meant, moving on from Gurley, meant they would be able to infuse their running back core with youth. And they got Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and, and some guys that are really balling. That has shown, that has really helped them. Gerald Everett as well. Robert Woods had a big touchdown last week at Washington. You know, you fly 
cross country to play in the early time slot. And the Rams looked like they had been in Washington all week. And I was there in person. I saw and they really put it to the Washington football team. Had the Titans at seven with a record of four and zero. I had them a little bit lower just because they have played one less game. You know, they were had an extended bye essentially because of their own COVID positive tests. And I'm not blaming them. Well, maybe I am a little bit, but you know, they didn't have to play as many games as a lot of the other teams did. Now, if they had a record of five and zero or five and one or four and one, you know, they played the same amount of games as other teams and they looked just as good. That's a different situation. But for right now, you know, they beat the Bills after a long time off in Tennessee. Bills are a good team, and as a matter of fact, they're my number six team. But the Titans, they didn't look like. They were clicking on all cylinders. And, you know, as we go up this list, you can't just have a good record. You have to have widespread success at every point or at least multiple points of your franchise. Bills at number six of four and one. I know the Titans just beat them. They're a half game behind the Titans, a full game if you want to count that tiebreaker in a way, but. Frankly, I like them better. I think they have a better quarterback. I think overall, top to bottom, they're better. And I think they have a better go-to receiver. Um, Obviously, they don't have a better running back than the Titans. But on defense, with our coaching staff, overall, I like the Bills a little bit better. Number five, Pittsburgh Steelers at 4-0. And the Steelers are an interesting team. Because, you know, we didn't know how Ben Roethlisberger would play coming back from that elbow injury he suffered last year. He's come back, done well. You know, they don't have Antonio Brown. You know, they've been without him for a little while, as have they been with Le'Veon Bell. But that doesn't mean it's an instant switchover where you, okay, we're done. You know, we have success and we'll move on. They're still, you know, that they don't have those guys they still have to get acclimated to the new guys, so to speak. And there were some growing pains, but they've handled them well. And, of course, that defense led by T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree on the on the ends is doing a great job. Of course, Cam Hayward in the middle. And you have that kind of defensive front coming at you for you know, 60, 70 plays a game. That's tough. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you play. That's going to keep you in games. And, of course, Mike Tomlin's a veteran coach. He's won a Super Bowl. So that's something that it's not just something you put on your resume. It's a confidence and it's a reputation thing that your players know and their players know you can get through any situation because you've been there before. That carries a lot of weight. That's why winning a Super Bowl for coaches is so important. Next at number four of the Baltimore Ravens at four and one. Their only loss coming at home to the Chiefs. Which, let's be real, that was not a great game for the Ravens. They could have played better, but they didn't. They lost. All credit to the Chiefs. But the Ravens are in good shape. They have the best defense in terms of points allowed in the NFL, only allowing 76 points so far through five games. So that is very, very good. They also have the best point differential at plus 73. So the Ravens 
have been clicking from week one on defense. And on offense, not too bad either. Seventh best offense in the league with 149 points scored. So they're good in pretty much every way as we thought. The one flaw that's not glaring but that does need to get fixed before it becomes glaring is Lamar Jackson's connection on deep balls to his receivers. It seems like we talked about that at the beginning of his career and he improved vastly on that last year. But then the beginning of this year, he's missed wide open Marquise Brown and he's he's missed downfield receivers. So again, it's not something to be concerned about because he and the Ravens are doing very well. You know, you're, you have the seventh best offense in the league. You're doing a lot more right than you are wrong. But again, like we talked about with the Browns and their record, you know, and this is not talking about power rankings. Essentially, it's talking about Super Bowl contenders. If you want to be a Super Bowl contender, you can't just have a good offense or a good defense or good special teams or a couple of good players. You need to be great in multiple areas. And where your flaws are, you need to cut them down and cut them down in a hurry. Because the longer you let it fester, the worse it's going to get. And so with the Ravens, they really need to fix that quickly. They go on the road to Philadelphia this week, a team probably they should beat, but hey, you never know. And then they have a bye, and then they come home to host the Steelers, and then they also play the Colts and a couple of other tough teams, if I'm not mistaken. So at Philly, which is about an hour and a half north of Baltimore, bye week, and then they have a tough stretch of games. So... This is the time, a a get-right game, if you will, not a trap game, not a gimme by any stretch, but this is a game that if everything plays out as it figures to, the Ravens should have a lead and should have the opportunity to take more shots downfield and work on that downfield connection between Lamar Jackson and his receivers. At number three of the Kansas City Chiefs, four and one. They lost a divisional game. Yes, it was at home, but they lost by one possession to, let's face it, a tough Raiders team. And you never think you're going to be perfect, even though you kind of want to be perfect and you kind of almost expect to be. Because if you're a good team, you have confidence to say, hey, we, we should be able to beat this team. But then when you have a loss, you kind of think, well, you know, they're a good team too, right? So not really going to knock the Chiefs for losing a game. Again, they scored 32 points. They didn't play horribly. I think it was more a case of the Raiders playing well. But, look, no one's concerned about the Chiefs. Or they shouldn't be, I don't think. And they're in fine position. They'll be just fine. They currently, if I'm not mistaken, have the number one seed in the AFC. Well, the Titans are 4-0, but... Again, talking about the unequal amount of games played. Anyway, the Chiefs will be definitely in the running for that first round bye. And again, remember, this year, 
seven playoff teams per conference. Only one team gets to buy. Only that first team gets that opening weekend off. So look for the Chiefs to turn it up this week as well. Green Bay Packers, number two team at 4-0. Aaron Rodgers is dominating. They have uh, Aaron Jones, great running back, really coming on. They've played very well, and here's a reason why the Packers rank so high is because you lose Devontae Adams for multiple games. Alan Lazard has a great game, then he goes out for multiple weeks. And, you know, as it has been the case in recent years with offensive linemen going down for the Packers or even running backs, now it's the wide receivers, they just keep going. What does that tell you? There's something more than just a star here and a star there. And as good as Aaron Rodgers is, not taking anything away from him, it's a testament to the whole value of the Packers team and organization, that they can be undefeated with losing so many key players. Again, they've only played four games to this point, but they've won them all. So there you go. Finally, Seattle Seahawks, 5-0. and I give a lot of credit to DK Metcalf and his maturity. And yes, I know he had that one game where he uh, had a clear touchdown, but kind of let the ball loose or dropped it out of his grasp and kind of like allowed it to be knocked away from him right before the goal line. That could have cost him a game. But, you know, he came back and got the winning touchdown later. And that doesn't happen a lot. A lot of times, especially with young guys, they make a mistake. They don't come back and make big plays. And they really generally don't come back to make the game-winning play. But they have him, Tyler Lockett. Their running backs are kind of being shuffled here and there. They're getting hurt. They're healing. They're coming back. And then the others hurt. And just So Russell Wilson is, as always, steadying the ship. But, again, 5-0. and in a very, very tough AFC West. If the AFC North isn't the best division in football, the NFC West is. And the Seahawks are undefeated at the top of that division. So you got to give credit to them. And you got to think they're the favorite, as I thought they were at the beginning of the year, to win the NFC. Speaking of which, as we move to the MVP race conversation, we'll go right back into reverse order. My top three candidates, top three quarterbacks of those teams in my power rankings. Number one, Russell Wilson. Number two, Aaron Rodgers. Number three, Pat Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, excuse me. I don't think a lot needs to be said about them. You watch them play. You know their dynamic. You know their game changers. You know their leaders. They're all Super Bowl champions. And you know they are not satisfied. And that's the key. When you have someone with that much talent that's not satisfied, that's dangerous. Aaron Donald, speaking of dangerous, number four on my list. Again, game wrecker. You can block him. The Ravens actually did a pretty good job last year at LA, but that game was an anomaly, not from the standpoint that the Ravens had a fluke in terms of their offensive line scheme, but you don't see Aaron Donald get blocked that well throughout the course of a whole game very often. And then Marlon Humphrey continues to make plays for the Baltimore Ravens at cornerback. I picked his cross-field mate, if you will, 
Marcus Peters to be my Defensive Player of the Year candidate. And Peters still very well may win that award. But as of right now, Marlon Humphrey is hot. He is a turnover machine in a good way. He has a nose for the football, whether that's tackling, forcing fumbles, recovering fumbles, scoring touchdowns, interceptions, breaking up passes, the best receiver, the third or fourth receiver, whoever you put across him, he is determined to make not only make a play, but make the play that changes the game. And honestly, I know quarterbacks are almost always the winners of the MVP, but if you had to pick a non-quarterback, I think Aaron Donald and Marlon Humphrey would be the number one and two at the top of the list. So whatever way it ends up going, those guys are going to give the other three a big run for their money. I can almost guarantee you that. And as we wrap up this episode, we want to kind of brief you on what to look forward to going forward for the rest of the year. Now, as we see more teams allow fans in, you know, nowhere near full capacity, but we saw in Tennessee, we see in other stadiums how fans are coming in and, you know, there's no tailgating allowed. You have to wear masks. There are hand sanitizing stations everywhere, so protocols are being followed. But this is kind of interesting now, because let's recap a little bit. At the beginning of the year, we talked about teams like the Chiefs and the Saints and the Seahawks, who had incredible home field advantages because of how loud and in tune with the game their fans were. You eliminate that, and yeah, the other team has to travel, but... In terms of snap counts and getting plays called in from the sidelines, it's much easier. Now these fans are starting to trickle in, and at the end of the season, if you have to go to a Kansas City, like for example, we talked about them very possibly getting that first round bye in the AFC. At the beginning of the year, you thought maybe if we're a four-seed or whatever, we may have to go to Arrowhead, but hey, we may not have to fight any of those fans or face any of those fans, I should say. Hopefully they don't get in fights. But now, it looks like Chiefs may have maybe 10, 20,000 people in the stands by January. And obviously they still have to get to that point and, and the numbers have to go in the right direction as they have been. But that's kind of a you know, that proverbial roller coaster where you thought it was going one way, now it's going completely different. Not in terms of the COVID numbers, in terms of the fan attendance at games. Let me be clear on that. I think it's also going to be interesting to see how teams that had players opted out, especially like the Patriots, where they had, I believe, eight before the season opt out. And, you know, a lot of players with no preseason had injuries suffered. How they adjust to the second quarter and even the second half of the NFL season. You look at a guy like Christian McCaffrey or Julio Jones or Devontae Adams or Michael Thomas. Absolute all-pro type players who had extended injuries. They should be coming back in a matter of, you know, depending on the player, one to three weeks. Will they come back in enough time to help their team make a run to get to the playoffs? Or if their team is around 500 when they come back, 
will they want to come back as quickly? In other words, will they have that urgency to come back if their team isn't doing so well? Because they know this season has been unlike any other, and the risk of injury is greater, right? And I'm not saying teams think this way. I'm just saying it's at least a possibility. I wonder if front office personnel are having the conversation with coaches to say, hey, let's hold player X out another week to make sure he's healthy. They may not admit this, but I wonder if in the back of their mind they think, if that happens to wink, wink, improve our draft position, so be it. So that's going to be very interesting to see how teams approach this rest of the season. And teams like the Jaguars and the Jets and the Giants, who usually don't have a lot to play for with a couple stud quarterbacks and a lot of stud defensive players, especially at rush end and outside linebacker, you don't want to miss out on the top 10 this coming draft. I will just say that. Now you see college football Pretty much every conference playing. The Big Ten will be back in action within two weeks. So these teams are getting a live preview of these prospects that they thought they were just going to have to evaluate based on a year-old tape. So now we talk about, you know, the fans were out. Now they're starting to come back in. We thought... Front office personnel is going to have to evaluate players, college players, based on no season, 2020, based on their 2019 tape and previous tape. Now, uh, you know, the SEC and, and ACC has started it now, Big 12, and now Big 10 is coming in. You're starting to get a look at live tape. So that has kind of restarted that evaluation process or at least refreshed it, I should say, for those front office personnel. So that's going to be another element to how do you link up the performance of your pro team versus, or in conjunction with, I should say, with your college evaluators. Like always, We look up, it's early in the NFL season, so much has happened, so much has yet to happen. No no secret to me why it's my favorite sport. I hope you've enjoyed it so far, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode of On the Board. We'd really appreciate it if you rate us five stars and share on any social media platform you engage with. Hey, share it with someone you don't know. We'd be fine with that too. We appreciate you listening to this episode of On the Board.